Welcome to Senior Moments on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Okay, Sharon, we are on again with another show, and we've got some cold weather for a few days, and it's supposed to warm up again. Yeah, I've got my long johns on, everybody, so I'm nice and warm. <laughs> you all, that's the only way to be. Yep. Um, so our first guest is it's here. on the line, yep. Uh, hello, Amy Cassie. Hello, how are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm actually, the only part of me that's cold is my fingers. <laughs> that's not bad. That's pretty good, eh? Yeah. It, um, how are you doing? You've got a big day s- uh, tomorrow. We uh, do. We're, uh, we're not cold here. We are running, <laughs> running around frantically at Civic Center. Yes. Getting everything set for Festival of Trees, so it looks beautiful in here. Um, we've got the scene pretty much set, and we're in uh, cleanup mode right now, which is wonderful. Oh, great. Uh, you know, I was on the website and reading about how many volunteers, between 800 and 900 volunteers you need a year to yeah. participate in all of the functions that you do to raise funds. That's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. It really, I, when I say it takes an army, I'm not kidding. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, Thinking of that, you should go get those uh, Rocky Mountain Rangers and get them to do it. <laughs> we, you know what? We did. We actually had some support from them. We had um, some support from Baldy Hughes that came out. Oh, we good. We had the Bruce Kings come out. So we had a lot of muscle here, which is always appreciated. Oh, wow. And then we, of course, got all the designers and sponsors and their teams coming in to set up their displays and moms and dads and kids putting in their um, trees and wreaths. And yeah, it, it really is impressive. It really is a community event. And so this is an event held by um, the Spirit of the North Healthcare Foundation every year uh, to raise funds for, um, is it from Williams Lake up or from Quinnell up? From Quinnell up. So yeah. we basically cover the same area as, or we do cover the same area as Northern Health. Right. And so this is our signature fundraiser. This is our flagship. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the biggest event we do. And this is our 29th year, so we're really excited to welcome everybody back. Wow. And this year, we are supporting Cardiac Care for the North, which is which is the gap in care up here right now. Yes, so it is. So we are working to round out funding for a cardiac care unit at UHNBC. Mm-hmm. So all of the money that we raise stays local. It stays at the hospital here. It goes towards these vital pieces of equipment mm-hmm. so that we can keep more northerners here when they're going through cardiac issues. Yeah, I remember um, our partner, Bob, uh, Dory, that was uh, a partner here on Senior Moments, and he had to fly to Kelowna or Kamloops uh, for a stint. And, uh, yeah. you know, it, it's so great that you're doing something where we can stay at home, where our family can come and support us through those kind of uh, terrorizing times for some of us. Exactly. It's already, when someone goes through cardiac issues, that's scary enough. Mm -hmm. And then having to travel down to the lower mainland. Many Mm -hmm. cases right now, we're actually sending people to the island. Oh. So for people to have to go to the island to receive that level of care, and then you've got their families that are having to travel, and then you throw winter on top of it. And, you know, it really is... It, oh it really gosh. is a scary time for people. So we are we are aiming to fund this cardiac care unit to keep more northerners here, and that's part of a larger strategy for cardiac care for the north. So not only does the money stay local and stay here at UHNBC, 
but it will service the entire northern region. So Prince George will become that hub where people come for cardiac care yeah. from the north. And and then the family, um, you know, they can come down here and and stay and also do some shopping and, and stuff. They don't have to be at the hospital 24-7. Exactly. I, I don't think anybody that's in the hospital wants people around them. It's enough with the doctors and nurses. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, it's just it's easier for someone to travel in from Burns Lake to come to Prince George yes. than it is to go down to Victoria or Vancouver or even Kelowna. Yeah. Um, that's a huge travel for a lot of people. And so anything we can do to keep people here to receive the care they need, that's where Spirit of the North really tries to lean in and help. Yeah. Because that, that does make all the difference for everybody. It does. And so you're, you're opening tomorrow at uh, yes. 9 a.m.? 9 a.m. tomorrow we open our doors, and then we kick off our first event tomorrow, which is the Medicare Seniors Brunch. Right. And so we'll welcome everybody for that, and we've got entertainment. And then following the Medicare Seniors Brunch, we've got the Scotiabank Seniors Tea. Right. Which, again, has entertainment, and it's it's just lovely in here. We um, Last year we had about 21 big trees. Mm-hmm. This year we're at 34, so we've grown wow. significantly this year. Wow. And we've changed the layout, so we're really excited to welcome everybody back and see see how different the festival looks this year. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. Um, I have never been to the Festival of Trees for whatever reason. So 34 trees decorated from top to bottom? Yes, 34 trees decorated top to bottom, and they've all got scenes with them. So we've got a couple of Yellowstone trees, we've got a kitchen tree, we've got um, oh. we've got this giant playhouse that actually mirrors um, Niners Diners from oh. years ago downtown, which yeah. is really neat. Mm-hmm. So, And the tree is actually inside the playhouse. Oh. So we've got these really elaborate setups. Wow. And then we've also got um, little houses and little trees mm-hmm. and wreaths that are done up by, by different community members, and they're just beautiful. There's so much creativity here. And the magic. Oh, the magic. And you come here and it, you can't help but get in that holiday spirit. Yeah. You don't say, turn that off when they start playing ca- carols. <laughs> <laughs> no, you say, turn it up here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then um, on, uh, so that's Wednesday. On Thursday, you're from 9 to 5. Thursday from 9 to 5. And we've got business lunch that we're running on Thursday, the Yellowhead Rotary Business Lunch. Mm-hmm. And then we've got the Canadian Tire Fashion Show on Thursday evening. Oh, which that is should always be fun. a fan favorite. We <laughs> yeah. love fashion show. Uh-huh. And then Friday, we're public hours all day. So we're open until late Friday night to uh, make sure people can get down here and check it out. We're open till 11 o'clock at night. Uh, that's the first time we've done that. But wow. We've that I, I looked at that. Yeah. And, and on um, December 1st, You've got McDonald's breakfast? Yeah, so McDonald's restaurants in town and in Vanderhoof will be um, selling a dollar from every egg muffin that's sold. Uh-huh. We'll be donating that towards cardiac care for UHNBC and the North. So oh, cool. McDonald's has been huge longtime supporters. They've got a tree in festival, mm-hmm. um, and we're just so grateful for their support. And then um, on Saturday, that's, no, December 3rd is... Saturday, 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 right? Night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's a oh no on on the December second, jammies and jingles. Yeah. So jammies and jingles really is public hours where we're just extending those hours throughout the day. But we've got 
Judy Russell's dance studio is coming in. They're doing entertainment. We've got games for kids. We will have a bar open up so you can get a glass of wine and walk around the trees and see all the beauty that is festival. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's a great idea. Well, And then uh, December 3rd, Northland Gala Fundraiser. What's that, a dance? or? Yeah, so, so the gala fundraiser is our big fundraising auction where we take 10 trees and we live auction them in the room. Oh. So we've got, it's a gala fundraising dinner and dance. Uh-huh. And Northland Auto Group presents it. And it is always just such a fun night. Uh, but that's where those live trees get auctioned off. Mm-hmm. And then following that, on Sunday morning, we've got the Santa breakfast. So we'll have a quick turnover and be back here first thing in the morning for the Santa Claus breakfast. Uh-huh. And that one is a, a family favorite. We've got lots of grandparents coming with their, with their grandkids. Nice. And, of course, we've got Santa coming from the North Pole, so he's, he's going to make an appearance. Right on. And then we go into uh, the Kopar Family Day, which is a day just geared towards inviting everyone down. There's lots of activities for kids. Come down and check it out and have fun. Yeah. And then we've got the Civic Light Up. Oh, yes. On Sunday night. Yeah. And then we wrap things up Sunday evening at 6 o'clock at Festival with the Canadian Tire um, Fireworks Display. Right. Now, um, for the dinner dance, the gala, uh, I mean, we like we women like to get des- dressed up anyway. and yeah. uh, And so... Do you reserve tickets, or do you go and pick up the tickets for this? Yes, you just reserve tickets for them, so you can either get tickets online at Mm festivaloftreespg.ca, or you can call our office at 250-565-2515 to reserve your ticket. And so for each, like for each um, business lunch you reserve... Yep, everything, all those tickets are available online. Okay. You can purchase them online or call our office and we can we can secure those tickets for you. Oh, good. Because yeah. that, uh, I was trying to figure out how that worked. And, um, and then I started looking at the past year, um, the fundraiser that you were doing, because um, it says, Why Give?, and uh, and then I see over 675 pieces of equipment, uh, $40 million um, average, or that's what it amounts to, have yeah. been purchased over the past 28, 29 years? Uh, over the past, now, so now it's been 31 years. So <gasps> festival's been going on for 29 years. Right. And the foundation has been operational for 31 years. Mm-hmm. And so in that 31 years, we've purchased over 675 pieces of equipment yeah. for the North. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it's, we can't do that without our donors. Um, our donors enable us to be able to work with Northern Health mm-hmm. to find out what the biggest piece that we can get that's going to eliminate those wait lists, that's going to eliminate travel for Northerners. Yes. Uh, and then Spirit of the North is able to step in and purchase those pieces of equipment yeah. that are not otherwise funded by the provincial government. Yeah, and it's kind of like hospice, right? You have to, there's so much that you get, and then you have to raise the rest by doing fundraising. Exactly. Uh, yeah. The government will do so much, and and um, they've got that provincial lens where our lens is northern BC. So mm-hmm. we can look and go, okay, what do we need? What is the very best in care that we can bring here? Mm-hmm. And, and we can work to bring that care here. So is the first event of the year like uh, the Spirit Day in May or? Yep. Our, our first event of every year is Spirit Day, and that is the beginning of May, usually that first Thursday of May. Uh-huh. 
and that is our Radiothon. Right. So that one is, and with Spirit of the North, people can direct where they want their giving to go. So if someone is very passionate about cancer care, mm-hmm. we can direct it towards cancer care at UHNBC or cancer care in Vanderhoof. We can get really, oh. really scriptive in where we direct those funds. That's wonderful. Yeah. So if, you know, for me, cancer care is very near and dear to my heart. So I tend to lean that way. Mm-hmm. Um but any, any, anyone can choose where they'd like their dollars to go yeah. and um, direct where, where we spend that money. And I, I noticed that um, your sponsors for that are, are Northland, uh, Dodge, TELUS, 99.3, 101 The River, Bryant yep. Electric, uh, CKPG, and Medichair. And so these are people who... Um, support spirit day they do and they sponsor each hour so they'll sponsor an hour and then they'll say okay pediatrics is near and dear to us so all the money we raise during their hour goes directly towards pediatrics okay yeah we, we you know we really can't do what we do without the support of our sponsors they are they are the ones that allow us to do these big projects um and come through and do these big fundraisers with the community. That, coupled with our volunteers, really is what makes spirit uh, spirit. And then every year you have the Prince George uh, Cougars Alumni Charity Golf, and that's a big. Uh, um, people want to be part of that. Yes, our golf tournament is always so much fun, and <laughs> the golf tournament does direct money to cardiac care as well. Right. So that, that is where they, the committee chooses to direct every year to cardiac care for UHNBC and the North. Yep. And uh, the golf tournament, we just, we're so grateful for the support of the Prince George Cougars because they work very closely, and the alumni work very closely with us to bring yeah. that to life each year. And I see Northland Dodge is very prominent in in the golf um they are they're yeah. a presenting sponsor and and northland dodge is very um they partner with us quite a bit they mm-hmm. support most of our initiatives they are so giving um they really do believe in making sure that we have the very best in care yep. in the north for everybody and so we are so grateful for their support and and why i'm bringing this up i want to mention your sponsors and the people who support so that people who are listening know um you know who's supporting these these fundraisers like Canadian Tire, Remax, yeah. Mister Quick. That's your gold supporters, along with uh, Royal Bank of Canada, yep, and uh, Scotia Bank and West. Hmm, I can't read my West. Hmm, I can't read my writing. Sorry. No, uh, no worries. Uh, Silver is Bryant Electric. Yep, Bryant Electric is, um, they are huge supporters of ours. They actually power Festival of Trees, so they run all of the power for us. Oh, wow. Uh, run all of the lines because we run so many Christmas lights. Wow. We make sure that the breakers don't go out on us ever. <laughs> and yeah. uh, they're, they're just incredible. And again, all of our sponsors, we, you know, we, we, we talk about them so frequently, mm-hmm. but they really are part of the magic behind Spirit of the North. Totally. And we can't do what we do without them. Yeah. Um, Corestock, is it? Um, Corestock Supply, WR Ventures, they're all in the yep. silver. Bronze is um, Diversified Transport, Earls, uh, Geo, G, Geotech. Yep. Uh, I don't know KPMG, if, if that's a business or... Uh, yeah, that's an accounting firm. Oh, 
they always have a team in golf, and they're usually a bronze sponsor of golf. <laughs> uh, we're just, yeah, we, we have so many supporters. We are so grateful for their support. And yeah. Festival of Trees is, is a massive undertaking. Yeah, I tried to has, I tried to find all the sponsors for that. And, <laughs> I you know, I had to get out a magnifying glass, and I still couldn't write them all down. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> we are so we are so lucky. There are so many supporters because Festival of Trees is such a big event. Mm-hmm. Um, they it, it's so many moving parts that each sponsor steps in with their level of expertise and helps us bring it to life every year and and support it. Um, they're just they're magic. They're incredible with what they do. And I see Labatt sponsors uh, or is a bronze sponsor for the golf. Well, of course that would be natural yes. yeah yep. <laughs> and, and, and tell us northland uh honda and um uh, gaslink and wic i didn't know what wic was oh wick yeah. um wick construction okay as well yeah and friends of um Friends for I you know my I was writing this at ten thirty last night. <laughs> oh, black clover and twisted cork, right? Yeah, yep. friends at Fenway, and uh, you know I, it just makes when I look at these things and read these things. I've always said how um, what a, a a great city Prince George is for their support for nonprofits and for fundraising events and then when you start seeing the list it's it's really really hits you it's incredible like we we the list of people that help bring this to life every year is absolutely Mm. incredible Mm -hmm. and it goes beyond just festival of trees it goes into all of the events that we do yeah people really do work to bring it to life yeah and we can't do what we do without them. And I, um, some of the places that you support financial um, are the community health units. And the, I didn't realize that you you go uh, Breast Health Initiative, yes. Bulkley Valley Health, and, uh, you know, so, and we don't talk enough about we're where you go up north. You know, we don't mention enough about how many um, cities and towns that you help up north. You know what? I always joke that that's one of our our best-kept secrets. Yeah. uh, Is that we we service the entire entire northern half of the province. Yes. The Spirit of the North is not just a hospital foundation, but it is a foundation that services all of northern B.C. Mm -hmm. And so UHNBC really is a hub for the north. Yep. Our our funding goes far beyond just Prince George, and so we do have a massive area that we cover. Yes, um, and and because of that, we're able to really stretch those dollars and make sure we're bringing that very best in care closer to home for all of our northern residents. Yeah, and I, I see um, that Dr. Jack McGee Cancer Enhancement is something yes. that you support, and I have never heard of that. Yeah, so that was an endowment fund that we have, um, and that goes directly towards cancer care. Um, and so we look for, you know, oftentimes UHNBC will reach out or other communities will reach out and say we need chemo pumps or mm-hmm. we need different pieces of equipment like that that we, that are not being funded right now by the, uh, by the provincial government or we've met, we've met our quota, but we actually need more. Right. So Spirit of the North is able to step in and say, hey, we can help out with that. We can fund that. And so we can actually go through and fund those pieces, which is 
which is which is amazing, and and we can't do that without our donors. We no. can't do that without the people that come out and support these events. So I'm always saying to people, you know, make sure you 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 know that the dollars that you spend when you're here, the five dollars entrance fee into festival or a ticket to one of our events, that money stays right here. It stays to help our friends and family because. Really, healthcare touches absolutely everybody. It does, yeah. And uh, some of the things you um, fund are medical equipment, mental health and clinical dependency, uh, early psychosis education fund, uh, Northern Health Services, Northwest Health, ophthalmology, pediatric, palliative care, uh, patient care. You know, we we just say we help, but... These are areas where you really are um, putting money into it. And they are. Robson Valley Health, um, Seniors Wellness Program, Specialty Services and Clinics, Spiritual Health Services, and um, Endowment. You've got Capital Campaign Endowment. Yes, yeah, so if we're working on a capital campaign, mm-hmm. that is often where uh, where people will designate money to so that they can support that capital campaign. Yeah. Um, but I think what this all goes to show is you can direct exactly where your donation goes. Mm-hmm. So if there is, you know, if um, addictions is near and dear and it's something that you want to support, yeah. we can direct dollars directly to addiction yeah. throughout the North. Yeah. So that can be to fund, whether that be a particular program, whether that be... Um, a particular addition to different psych wards, we can do that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes we've got a couple people um, right now that are that are working to fundraise for for youth for yes. youth detox programs. Oh, that's so, great! Yeah, yeah, like those are you know those are big pieces that touch so many people's lives because. Healthcare, like I said, touches everybody, and so we're really lucky that we can do that. Yeah, and and Dr. Jack McKenzie Endowment, um, you know, I I remember him. He started the um, Elder Citizens Recreation Center. Yes, yeah. yes, and and you know, it's funny the amount of support that that gets um, is his his particular fund is wonderful, and it's. Uh-huh. It just shows the impact in his and the legacy. Yeah, and uh, I did have the chance to meet him, and you know he really was a force to reckon with. <laughs> yes, and, and and you know they got that ECRA made into I think they got a million dollars or something to expand it, and they have something like over a thousand, well close to a thousand members, and they do an awful lot of good over at ECRA. And that's part of Dr. Jack McKenzie. You have Friends of Children Endowment. Yep. And um, and so I think the Big Brothers and Big Sisters, you've got Child Development Center, which is so important. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we can, so because Spirit of the North is a foundation, we can lean in and help different programs. Mm-hmm. Um, which really is wonderful. So when I say that you can you can really choose where you designate your funds. Yeah. You can designate pretty much wherever you like. And that, um, and that's not always so when you're um you know like I had a a bit of a tussle with uh, SPCA cuz I wanted my monthly donation to go to Prince George. And yeah. and it goes to the main SPCA and then it's sort of doled out and yeah, they finally and, and, agreed but 
Which, and that can be difficult, right? With yeah. a lot of national organizations, they, they can designate, but it has to go through various channels to get back to Prince George. Yep. And um, with Spirit of the North, we are 100% local. Yeah. So local for Northern BC, which is, uh, which is so important because often, you know, a lot of times that provincial lens can lean very heavily south. Yes, um, exactly. And so we really have to make sure that people know that we're, we're here in the north and that we need these levels of care and this is important. Yeah. Hello. Um, hello. We're here. Exactly. <laughs> so, and I think one, one of the wonderful um, buildings that uh, you, you've supported is the Cordoban Cancer uh, Lodge. Yeah. So my, actually previous to working at Spirit of the North, I worked for the Canadian Cancer Society uh-huh. and our office was at Cordoban Lodge. So I have a I, I absolutely love Cordoban Lodge. I think it's an, um, an incredible facility um, yeah. that really does have an impact on many people's lives. And people don't realize that, that we, we support Cordoban Lodge. So if somebody would like to donate towards Cordoban Lodge, we can, we can do it through the foundation and direct it through that cancer care program. Yeah. And um, the other thing that I noticed is that you, you will give a student around $300. Yes. Now, so... We will support the education of our frontline healthcare workers, so of nurses, um, healthcare professionals. We will support their education. Mm-hmm. So, if there's various uh, programs that they'd like to register for, we can um, sometimes step in and help them fund that. So, that's another piece because I think in the north, we, you know, staffing has been such an issue, and as it has been everywhere. Yes. Um, but that is really something that we have to really look at is the staffing and figure out, okay, how do we best do this? Yes. Um, and oftentimes I think it's easier to get northern residents to stay in the north yes. than, it is to bring, um, than it is to bring people from down south, bring them up to the north. Well, you know that once they come up here, they love it. Oh, yeah, they do. <laughs> and everybody and, comes here on a three-year plan. <laughs> I, know, for I know. And, and you know, that, that's why we all got together at uh, CN Center and said we wanted our, our medical program. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, uh, now we're trying to get a program for veterinarians, which would be exactly a, another great thing for us to have. It should be a huge addition for the North, and we need those type of additions up here Yeah, to we, attract more healthcare professionals to the North. So um, I'm going to wrap it up, but I want to thank you for what you're doing there, Amy, and uh, I will ask everybody to go on the website and reserve your tickets and uh, see the schedule. Yes, come down and check it out. Um, we open tomorrow morning at 9. Uh, we're open for five days, so we encourage everybody between Wednesday and Sunday to come down, check out Festival of Trees. I'm looking at the Northland Dodge setup right now, and they've got a Vegas-themed tree, and it is absolutely incredible. So <laughs> we've got a few surprises up our sleeves over the next couple of days, so we encourage you to come down and check it out. Right and on. if you have any questions, festivalofTreesPG.ca. Exactly. So thank you so much, and uh, I hope uh, it's as successful as it has been uh, every year. Thank you so much for the support. We appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Okay. Uh, We'll take a short break, and we'll be back with our next guest. Give your morning a boost with some sounds from above with Songs in the Chapel Sunday mornings at 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Join me, Corey Walker, as I fill the airwaves with the sounds of heavenly gospel music. I feature a mixture of traditional country, bluegrass, southern, and black gospel, and even a little bit of worship and contemporary Christian music. 
An inspiring message from the Salvi Shermie's Heartbeat series is featured in every show. A song says Chapel Sunday morning at 9, only here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. A new program aimed at sparking and supporting innovative tourism ideas in northern B.C. is now taking applications. The Spark Mentorship and Grants Program will match selected applicants with a tourism mentor, provide a $3,000 grant, and additional partner support to help take their tourism idea to the next level. Applications are being accepted through December 6th. For more information on the Spark Mentorships and Grants Program and available info sessions, visit touriminformation.ca slash northernbc. The Learning Differences Center of BC is holding their annual general meeting Wednesday, December 7th at 6.30. Society members and interested parties from the community are encouraged to attend. The meeting will take place at the Learning Differences Center office at 785 Patricia Boulevard. Attendees are asked to use the Hemlock Street entrance. Once again, that's the Learning Differences Center of BC AGM, Wednesday, December 7th at 6.30 through the Hemlock Street entrance of 785 Patricia Boulevard. Prince George five-day forecast from Environment Canada for today, mainly cloudy with a 30% chance of flurries, wind from the northeast to 30K, a high of minus 13 with a wind chill to minus 23. Tonight, cloudy, snow beginning near midnight, wind from the north at 40 gusting to 60, a low of minus 17 with a wind chill to minus 29 and a risk of frostbite. On Wednesday, periods of snow ending near noon, then cloudy, gusting north winds continuing, a high of minus 16 with a wind chill to minus 30 and a risk of frostbite. Sunny's the outlook for Thursday, a low of minus 27, a high of minus 20. Friday, a mix of sun and cloud, a low of minus 23, a high of minus 18. And sunny on Saturday with low of minus 22 and a high of minus 16. The long-range forecast for Sunday and Monday, a mix of sun and cloud each day with lows around minus 22 and highs near minus 13. You're listening to Senior Moments on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Okay, Sharon, we are back on, and we have our guest sitting in front of you, so how yes. would you like to introduce him? I would, indeedy. This is Peter Ewart. <laughs> Welcome, uh, Peter. Oh, well, thanks very much for inviting me to the show. And uh, Peter uh, and I have been talking ever since we had Bob Zimmer on here about the Arctic, and Peter is interested in the Arctic uh, and knows more than I do, for sure. Which is, in my mind, I think I was looking at grade 8. Grade 8, maybe I took a little bit about the Arctic. After that, I don't think we talked about the Arctic. Mm -hmm. And it's huge. It's monstrous. And the potential in the Arctic. Oh, yeah. No, it is. It's a a great, uh, great potential. The the Arctic region, you know, which uh, extends all over the place. But, uh, you know, it's one of the great treasures of the planet you know where you see the you know the beauty of it the, the pristine wilderness yeah at the same time it's got this uh you know unforgiving climate as well right you know <laughs> not, not, not not a climate to fool around in right no. but um about 40 percent like as you're saying of canadian territory lies within the arctic region yeah and so what you have in that region is a whole variety of uh, uh terrains and so on you have ice snow tundra glaciers ocean mountains Rivers, forest, muskeg, polar desert, yeah, and then of course all kinds of permafrost. What about volcanoes? Uh, is there a volcano in in there somewhere? <laughs> well, there, there certainly is active active volcanoes like in Iceland. Oh, is there? Oh, yeah. yes, that's right in Iceland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but uh, and, and there there's a lot of. Uh, 
uh, former volcanoes or, or sleeping volcanoes yeah, as well as losing, eh? Yeah, yes. yeah. So, um, in terms of um, seven other countries besides Canada claim territory or waters in the Arctic region, and that, that inc- they includes Russia, Finland, Norway, Sweden, Iceland, Greenland, which is under Denmark. And the U.S., you know, Alaska. Yeah, right. And the population of the entire Arctic is about 4 million people, with about half in Russia. Oh, uh, okay. And then the indigenous people across the entire region, uh-huh. uh, they make up about uh, a half a million, 500,000 people in the Arctic. And uh, and in many communities in Canada, for example, the uh, the majority of the people. Yep. So they like the Indi- for example, the Inuit in Canada is over seventy thousand people, but the Inuit are also in Alaska, Greenland, Russia, and so on. Yeah, and other indigenous people in Canada as well, besides the Inuit. That's the Gwich'in, the Athabascan, the Inu, the Cree peoples. Yes, and and then we look at uh, uh, the Sami in Norway, but they're not just in Norway; they're in Sweden and Finland, and yeah. Russia has. 40 indigenous uh, peoples in its, in its territory. So the ind- indigenous people, they inhabited uh, Siberia as far as back as 30,000 to 40,000 years ago. And uh, in Canada, the estimate uh, is at least 12,000 to 14,000 years uh, before the current era. And, you know, it's, when we look at it, you know, like these people who have lived there for time immemorial... It's through their ingenuity, their hard work, and intelligence. These pe- these people were able to build and sustain their nations and rich cultures in the extremely harsh conditions of the Arctic, often with very limited materials. But they that didn't st- didn't stop them and hasn't stopped them to this day. You know, and I was looking at uh, how do they heat their their you know what do they use for heat up there. And um, and the first thing that popped up was igloos. Now, uh, I, there was like three articles about how the igloos um, kept it, the shape of them were like heaters if you had enough people in there. Mm-hmm. And but they're not living in igloos anymore. I mean, those are a temporary shelter if they're out hunting and and get stuck. But right, it, it's, uh, I'm looking for what are they use for heat? There's no trees. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no store button where you can go and get some, you know, firewood or something. Right? <laughs> yeah. But so it's diesel and and uh, that they use, and then they they're polluting mm-hmm. because they're using diesel to make electricity. That's what I finally discovered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. I don't want to live like they're living with skins and forty below every day. <laughs> anyway. Um, in these regions, uh, you know, when the Europeans came, the indigenous populations, uh, they got decimated by, by colonial exploitation, cultural aggression, and inter- and especially introduced diseases. Diseases, yeah. But, but in the face of it all, you know, through a lot of effort, determined effort, they defended their rights, their lands and cultures and livelihoods, as well as have opposed militarization of the, the region. So there's, um, Wide divergences across the, the the vast region of the Arctic in terms of population, governance, uh-huh. cultures, language, and climate, as well as degree of industrialization. 
you know, like for example, Canada and Greenland, the, the, the Arctic regions are quite sparsely populated. Whereas, uh, Russia and Alaska have, uh, uh, quite a bit more. Yeah. Um, but then you look at even at climate, at the variation in climate. The lowest temperature on Earth ever recorded was Siberia, 90 degrees below zero <laughs> Fahrenheit. <laughs> Yet the climate, like I, if you go to, um, Reykjavik, Iceland, it's influenced by the warmer ocean currents, and the climate is relatively moderate. It's like almost like Vancouver, staying just a few degrees above or below uh, zero year-round. Wow. Isn't uh, that interesting? Yeah, and Iceland, yeah. Iceland is a – like we visited there a few years back. Did it's you? It's a tremendous place to visit. Spectacularly beautiful. It's, it's like you're on another planet, right, you know, because of all the lava formations, the old and new lava formations yeah. and mountains. Yeah. It's strange okay. terrain and, uh, you know, beautiful, you know, huge falls and rivers and and so on, right? And um, anyway, interesting food like uh, – uh, there's one food that we, we tried a little bit of, and it was fermented shark's head, where they take a shark's head and they bury it in the ground for about five or six months. <laughs> oh, then, my goodness. So I tried a little bit of it. Right? <laughs> it clearly is an acquired taste, but, but, but an acquired taste that I did not acquire. <laughs> oh, I can't imagine. I mean, that's pure rotten. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, for sure. But uh, anyway, uh, that's whatever. considered a delicacy. Somebody was walking along the beach one day, and the shark's head was buried, and they were hungry, and they tried it, and now it's a delicacy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's for sure. So, Interesting, um, eh? Iceland is, well, the culture of those places are, you know, are adapted to where they they live i mean i i could i can't imagine living in a place that's covered in ice and snow all year round just about right right yeah well you know when you look at greenland right for although the ice cap there is melting rapidly yeah, but the, yes yeah the huge ice cap yeah that, that's there but then Anyway, the region is very rich in natural resources. It's, it's estimated up to 30% of the world's natural gas is, is there. Oh, 13% dear. of oil, oh, deposits dear. of iron ore, copper, uranium, and numerous other metals and minerals. And it's got fresh, it's got fresh water. 10% of the world's fresh water, for example, is tied up in the Greenland ice, ice sheet. Just, just the Greenland ice sheet itself. Wow. So, uh, so you, in terms of industries, you have mining, hydropower, hunting and gathering, fishing, trapping, and of course, uh, beautiful indigenous art, and yes. sculpture, and so on. Yes, you know? yes. But um, despite you know the, this, you know, we think of the Arctic, we think of a pristine, clean environment, right? Yeah. But despite that, uh, the Arctic is experiencing dramatic effects from pollution and yeah. global warming. Yeah. Uh, industrial development, along with increased military activities, is in, it's increasing the pollution in the land and the waters and the air. Oh, humans so, are so destructive, eh? Yeah, you know, yeah. like, and there, you know, there's the example. Uh, it's a terrible example of what happened in uh, Great Bear Lake in northern Canada, right? Mm -hmm. For a mining camp uh, company, this was uh, back in the f 40s and 50s or whatever, and all this mining for uranium. And so they got the bright idea 
of uh, dumping the tailings of the, the radioactive tailings into, into the Great Bear Lake. Oh my gosh! This was the Great Bear Lake, one of the great lakes in the entire world. Yeah. And they dumped it on there. And of course, who they hired were indigenous people to haul <sighs> these uh, bags of uh, tailings and who got cancer and so oh, on. Oh so, yeah. So it's an yeah. example. Of, it's, a, it's a negative example of, of how not to utilize the north well like when i started doing a little research on it i was thinking about pristine and i was thinking about greed and about uh how canada you know we we are the second largest continent or country besides Mm -hmm. russia we have the the most fresh water Mm -hmm. in the world uh who's going to start looking over at us and thinking Huh, we need water. We need mm-hmm. those minerals and they're already doing it. I I mean you're talking about stuff I had no idea was going on up there mm. with all the mining and um the tailings. I thought that was just a little north of us where they were dumping uh, where they had the overflow of tailings into the the uh canal. Oh, right, the yeah. Lake. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, that's another example of it, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, so you have to be very careful. With, it's a pristine, uh, you know, hardy climate, but it's very vulnerable as well, right? You know, yeah. to, to, uh, so it has to be treated properly. Yeah. The, um, you know, now, of course, much of the Arctic, you know, like when you get up to the Arctic Ocean and all this is, uh, is covered with uh, ice yes. year round, but the melting sea ice is having a huge impact on the land and the wildlife and the peoples. And, um, you know, you know, you have the permafrost, permafrost melting, which is releasing methane gas and so on. And, and in coming years, like when we think of the melting ice up there, it's expected that Canada's Northwest Passage and Russia's Northeast Passage yeah. will become less icebound and more navigable by, by ships opening up, uh, the, the, these routes for, for transoceanic shipping. As well as oil and gas drilling and fishing and so on and so forth. And there's competition between the big powers and the big corporations and all that to sort of cash in there. So there's a lot of challenges ahead for the Arctic. But, uh, you know, one thing about the peoples of the region, both indigenous and non-indigenous, you know, they're very resilient people. And, and I think we'll continue fighting to defend their rights and their lands and their way of life. Um, I, yeah, I hope. I mean, they're, there's such a small portion of uh of society like uh, mm-hmm. and the big deals and the big companies maybe that's going to change a little bit you know i think people Hopefully. are starting to look at uh, the damage that we've done to our mother earth and and uh, you know this is the earth gives us life and and we just i don't know if that's matricide you know mm-hmm. we're killing our mother it, it, and, uh, when I was reading about this and, and now that you're telling me about, I mean, there's armed forces camp, what, six up there, I think? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, so all of that diesel fuel, all of that. And then you've got another little group of people who are trying to make, uh, wind power to, to reduce. It's like a war. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. <laughs> uh, so uh, I've got a I've got a poem here I wanted to read. Oh know, please, uh, yeah. But is there time before the break? Or oh, we uh, we won't be taking a break. Oh, I oh, see. Okay. okay. Yeah. 
So in the following songs, they were translated from the Inuktitut language over 100 years ago. Mm. And uh, they were composed by the wonderful Inuit oral poet and singer, Uvavnik, who, uh, and capture, they, they capture so well the resilient spirit and outlook of, uh, of her people. Uh-huh. Uh, amidst the, you know, these awe-inspiring nature, you know, that they're s- surrounded with all the time. Yeah. So here are the poems. Uh, the, the first one is The Great Sea. The Great Sea has sent me adrift. It moves me as the weed in a great river. Earth and the great weather move me, have carried me away, and move my inward parts with joy. And the next one is called The One Great Thing. And I think over again my small adventures, when from a shore wind I drifted out in my kayak, and I thought I was in danger. My fears, those small ones that I thought so big, for all the vital things I had to get and to reach. And yet there is only one great thing, the only thing, to live and see in huts and on journeys, the great day that dawns and the light that fills the world. Oh, a hundred years ago this was written? Yeah, yeah, very Wow. Very, powerful, How, yeah, very, yeah. yeah. Wow. That's like a painting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when, yeah. When you were talking, I had this vision. A verbal painting. Yeah, yeah, just beautiful. Yeah, well, Uvavnik was a a woman, apparently, uh, I was reading more about her, but she was, uh, one day she went out and she was struck with this vision, right? And she began composing these songs and all this. And what happened when the uh, Europe, uh, Norwegian uh, uh, came there, European Mm -hmm. came there and and documented some things and... uh, Interviewed her and, and transcribed some of the songs, and that's where this comes oh, from. Oh, thank heaven. Wow. Yeah, they did. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I had never. What's her name again? Uvavnik. U V A V N U K. Oh, just like it sounds. Uh, yeah, and so they, I was reading about the um, coming together of the Inuit and the Athabascan and the Gu. G, the G people. Uh, I forget their name. Anyway, they, they've come together uh, with the government of Canada to try to protect their land where they live because of the, like you said, the oil and the minerals. And I had no idea uh, until it, it was Renee Merrifield, who's um, um, a liberal She's environmental um, ministry. She came and we did a an interview, and she told me what we need to run these phones on from mines, mm-hmm. rare earths. And so, like, what are we doing? We're having all of these phones. Everybody's got one. Nobody talks to each other anymore, and we're taking what we need to run them out of the earth. I don't know where I thought it was coming from. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Same with our vehicle sharing. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and so um, I was reading about Canada having the longest border in the world. I think that's down the Pacific from and uh, and then across Labrador and Newfoundland. We have mm-hmm. that border. 
and we do have sea to sea to sea. Like we've got the Pacific, the Atlantic, and and the Arctic Ocean, yes. and then there's the Bering that there, it, which is millions of miles long, I mm. think. And um, why don't we talk more about the Arctic? Uh, yeah, well, we, I think it's quite important, right? You know, because there's changes coming there, right? You know, one of the things, like, like the Inuit uh, have a long record up there of uh, calling for the entire Arctic region to be designated as a zone of peace wow. rather, than, rather than having this military confrontations and so on. Whoa. And um, there's a lot of concern right now that um, there's a, a pressure for more militarization to take place, and uh, which goes against the long-standing demands of the indigenous people who, yes. uh, who, who like, like we have to think of them like like there's some in Russia there's some in Alaska yep. there's some in Canada there's some in Norway or whatever like they have their own uh, and they've been they were the original people there right and uh-huh. uh, uh, they're, they're not listened to enough right in turn and put it the, the center of the like uh, lots of people seem to want to make decisions about the Arctic but what about the people who live there yeah where are they at the table Exactly. So, uh, you know, the question of sovereignty in the region and decision-making and all that, they should be right at the center. But one of the things that comes up is, uh, you know, what's called the Northwest Passage Dispute. Oh, I have You know, because um, you have overlapping claims in the Arctic, you know, between Canada, Russia, U.S., Denmark, and they're going through the United Nations Commission on the Limits of the Continental Shelf, which is a process, right, where negotiating process, you know, which is the proper way to go. But, you know, with the melting ice, shipping routes throughout, through the Arctic, uh, the ice have been opening up because of the climate change. And so in the years to come, there's going to be more shipping there. <sighs> One route is called the Northwest Passage. Right. And it winds through the many islands of the Canadian archipelago, all oh, those islands no. there. And the other route called the Northeast Passage is thousands of kilometers away on the other side of the Arctic Ocean, and it runs along the coast of, uh, of Russia. Uh-huh. So there's huge opportunities for shipping between North America, Europe, and Asia, like sort of taking a shortcut through yep. the Arctic, right? Yeah, Rather instead than going of the, to the Panama Canal. Yeah, the canal, that. yeah. But um, the Northwest Passage on the Canadian side is well within the 200-mile coastal boundary of Canada uh-huh. and has long been claimed by Canada to, to be internal waters under its jurisdiction. Uh, you know, uh, so, however, this position is disputed by the U.S. and various European countries who argue that the Northwest Passage is an international strait not under the jurisdiction of Canada. Now, um, and furthermore, that the U.S. and European tr- countries are claiming they can send ships through without getting permission of Canada at all. Whoa. Um, you know, but I wanted to point out, back in 1980, 1985 in the House of Commons, Conservative Secretary of State for Eternal Affairs and, and future Prime Minister Joe Clark articulated Canada's position on this issue. And I'll just read the quote. Uh-huh. It's a... Uh, Quote, Canada's sovereignty in the Arctic is indivisible. It embraces land, sea, and ice. It extends without interruption to the seaward-facing coasts of the Arctic islands. From time immemorial, Canada's Inuit people have used and occupied the ice as they have used and occupied the land. The policy of the government of Canada 
is to maintain the natural unity of the Canadian Arctic archipelago and to preserve Canada's sovereignty over land, sea, and ice, undiminished and undivided. Oh. So he made a very clear statement uh, on that. Um, and that came about in the wake of the U.S. Coast Guard, unilateral, the, called the Polar Sea. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the vessel was called the Polar Sea. Unilaterally saying that it could, and it sailed through the Northwest Passage without formal authorization by the Canadian government. So that act of defiance by the U.S. government got a lot of people angry across Canada who saw it as a violation of Canadian sovereignty, which it was. Yeah. Um, ironically, <laughs> the one country which sponsored Canada's claim to sovereignty over the Northwest Passage was the Soviet Union, <laughs> which is making the same claim about the Northeast Passage on its uh, on the right. other side of things. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, in any case, Prime Minister Mulroney met with uh, uh, U.S. President Reagan. Oh yes, and they discussed a dispute. They didn't settle it. Uh, the, the U.S. still refuses to recognize Canada's sovereignty, but they came to a temporary compromise. U.S. would ask permission before sending icebreakers through the passage. But um, that's since President Bush, oh, that's gosh. begun to change. Yeah. The, the, the Bush made it clear that the U.S. does not recognize Canada's claim and that it gives itself the right to send ships through and so on. Oh. And there's a lot of signs that this could be happening again soon yeah. where the U.S. is going to send uh, a ship through the uh, passage there. And my concern at this time is that, that um, you know, like there's a lot of stuff being raised about, oh, Russia and China is all this threat and all this. Right? Yeah. And, we, and what's happening right under our noses, though, yeah. is that, like the U.S. and NATO countries, see, NATO is pushing, like, they, they want to have activities in the Canadian Arctic. Yeah. Because once they do that, then they will have free yeah. reign. Yeah. And yeah. um, what's happened, successive prime Canadian prime ministers have recognized this. Mm-hmm. And, and they've said, no way, like Harper said that, you know, yeah. whatever, right? Um, however, the Trudeau government, in my opinion, is flirting with the idea. Oh, dear. Uh, like, like they yeah, say, they, would. Say, they say the... Uh, Trudeau says that, um, you know, the, the, that they're for the sovereignty of Canada there and all this, but he's, he's opening up the door for NATO to come in. <laughs> and if NATO comes in, yeah, forget uh, it. that's the fear of successive prime ministers and all this, yeah. that we're going to lose our sovereignty over the Northwest Passage. Yeah. Well, I mean, how much we lost with him. And mm-hmm. and and it's all about him, not about us. Yes. And it, it, and uh, these people who have lived there for forty thousand years or 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 more. I know that uh, I I read that the indigenous people have been in Canada for forty thousand years, and probably Inuit is part of that because they they put them all lump sum together back years ago. They never mm-hmm. gave them separate. Uh, identities, and uh, uh, I hope because I was reading about a polar uh, group called Polar that has come together with the government and the the different indigenous people up there to try to protect what they have there, and to uh, and they've got plans on one of the plans that I read was about. Um, Taking uh, sewage, 
cleaning cleaning it and turning it into hydrogen somehow or other. Oh yeah, yeah, and and this is all up there. They've got they've got uh, what do they call them? Um, sea containers or something like that that they they use as buildings. And I and they were talking about money for uh, freezers, and I'm thinking, why do they need fr- uh, freezers up there? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sounding like a dumb, you know what? <laughs> but um, yeah, the Arctic Council. As is what it's called, and and yes. it's it's together with the the different groups that are interested in protecting. Yes, the, Ar- the yeah, the Arctic Council has eight of the Arctic countries, and it also has six indigenous uh, groups there as well. Yeah, and uh, the Arctic Council, uh, who, who was instrumental with that, uh, bringing that about, was uh, Gorbachev. But mm-hmm. also, who who sort of uh, let it open was Brian Mulroney. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, and he uh, played a role in, he called for it, and I think it was back in the 1980s and so on, right? And so the Arctic Council came into being, and the whole idea behind it was to, you know, emphasize cooperative, cooperation between the different countries. And yeah. All that. Yeah. Unfortunately, what's happened with, uh, you know, the whole Ukraine thing and Russia going into Ukraine and all that is that now the Arctic Council uh, refuses to meet with Russia, right? Yeah. Which um, I, I think is uh, like the indigenous people there, they say, keep the damn politics out. Right? That's you know, right. Like we, we have to, we have to, whether we agree or disagree, we have to hang together, right, in terms of totally. protecting the region, right? Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping that. Um, the, that whole issue will be overcome, right? And uh, you know the the, the the people and countries in the Arctic, uh, uh, you know, continue continue to try to work together to you know in the common because if it becomes a free for all, oh, we're going to lose all over yeah. the place. There'll be uh, yeah. uh, mi- military uh, operations and anyway. Yeah, yeah, and um, it's kind of. Uh, it just makes you feel sad when you start thinking about uh, black carbon up there. You, you, you just, what? How do they get black carbon? Well, they use diesel mm-hmm. to make electricity, and and uh, and what are you going to get from diesel? Is black carbon, and and that seems. Um, um, and so Canada was the first chair of the Arctic Council in 1996 to 1998, and from 2013 to 2015, it was back again. And so I, um, we've, we've got no time. Uh, I, ho- I would ask people to go and look up the Arctic in Canada and learn a little bit. And I want to have Peter back again so that we can talk more about this very important part of Canada. And I want to thank you for coming and educating me and hopefully some other people. (laughs) Well, thanks very much, Sharon. I enjoyed myself very much. (laughs) Yeah, I enjoyed too. I love to learn. And uh, we'll be gone now and we'll be back next week. Senior Moments is a co-production of 93.1 CFIS-FM and the Prince George Council of Seniors. Senior Moments is produced by Sharon Hearn with production assistance from A.J. Fair. Theme music is courtesy of Goff Brooks Music. Catch the rebroadcast of today's show tonight at 9 or replay past shows through the podcast at cfisfm.ca. This is 93.1 CFIS-FM Prince George, proudly supported by community groups like the Heritage Free Presbyterian Church, 4020 Balsam Road.